0: as we get going today we are we are four weeks in we're starting the fourth week of a series that we have called leaving a legacy so um try to get you first time here first time in a long time if you haven't been with us all the sermons are online but let me see if i can do a an adequate job of catching us up again my name's colin i always forget this i'm terrible at it my name's colin hardman and i'm a deacon but i'm just this is the second time i got to preach in this series and I want you to know, if I seem nervous, it's because, man, I'm so incredibly humbled and honored that I get to do this. I love God's word, and, and I know what it does in my life. And the fact that I get the opportunity to stand before you and give it to y'all, hardly words, honestly. So um, with that being said, let's get caught up in this series and see what God has for us today. So if you have a Bible, I would, I would start trying to find the book of Deuteronomy. So week one, we, we started in Deuteronomy, and we started to lay the groundwork. We started to see the pictures and types that, that God is using through the nation of Israel. Um, we saw the importance of leaving a legacy and not being a generation that was unable to lead their kids into the promised land. So we saw a picture of salvation in the nation of Israel. That salvation was provided by a lamb, the blood of a lamb, that they got to exit out of Egypt, which we saw was a picture of top of the world. And I was reading in, uh, in Hosea, in, in chapter 11, verse 1, I think it is, it says that, that Israel, my son, or he said, my child Israel. So that, man, we don't just make this stuff up, man. God paints us a picture, and he used even the book of Hosea 11 to say, "And that's my son. So as we're leaving a legacy, we're seeing how God, the Father, is working the life of his son Israel. Then we see a picture of baptism, and this is that first act of obedience. We saw this as Israel crossed through the Red Sea. Uh, and then we saw the failure of faith in the wilderness. Man, if you remember Numbers 13, Numbers 14 area, that God has led them miraculously and provided everything they needed through the wilderness. And they got to a point where, hey, you're going to go in, spy the land that God has already promised. All you have to do is just go in and rely on God. And, and 10 spies came back out with an evil report. And two spies didn't. Is Joshua and Caleb. Caleb's an awesome name. Caleb's a strong name. But those two, man, they gave a good report. But when we see this new generation with Caleb and, and, and uh, Joshua, this new generation is about to enter into the promised land. So now they're, they're right at the banks of the Jordan, and Moses is getting used by God to give them all the words they need to, to make sure their legacy extends. So that's how we kind of built the series. And then week two, we saw that we need to be intentional with our investments Man, we, we want to see fruit that lasts generations. We talked about four generations as we become true worshipers ourselves and we seek to develop true worshipers in our children. The focus on was having a fruitful life for four generations. So last week we got a, a, a practicum in parenting. I just like that word. I had to work it in somewhere, right? So we, we saw a practicum in parent, parenting, and that was five ways that we are to consume, to communicate, to conversate, to be cautious, and copy God's Word. Man, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back. It's, it was really good. Um, but that kind of catches us up. We got all the way to verse 9. So today, we're going to start the series in verse 10. Um, and maybe, by God's grace, we can get to 13. But at least to verse 12. We'll, we'll try to land there today. So the title of the, the message today is called, The Blessing Warrants the Beware. So if you, if you got with me, if you're in Deuteronomy 6, there's one thing as we kind of get this thing segwayed. I want to kind of create a, a socket or a bridge into the t- today's message. I want to show you that it all connects. And the way that God connects it is through the word and. So if you have your Bibles, uh, again, we started in Deuteronomy 6.1, and we're working. So if you notice in, in verse 4, it says, O Israel. So God's making a declaration, right? And then he says in verse 5, and. Verse 6, and. Verse 7, and. Verse 8, and. So you see all these things are connecting. He's building a thought, right? So what he starts with a declaration and saying, hey, my word has to be in your heart. We're not departing from that. Don't ever leave that. Because today, what we're going to talk about is, man, God's word's in your heart. God's going to bless you. So there, because of that, we need to be, beware in the blessings that we get. So if you would... Let's start at uh, verse ten and read through verse thirteen. We'll pray and, and get into the rest of the message. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which He sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to, and to Jacob, to give thee good, are great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou planted not, when the Lord, uh, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then, beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. Verse 13, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do love you and praise you for Jesus. Just thank you for the opportunity to come before you, and I pray that in the midst of this, that that your spirit does the teaching. You remove my flesh out of the way. And, uh, you know... Uh, you know I'm not capable. There's nothing in me that that makes me capable to do this. It's only your spirit and your word. So I pray with my stammering lips and, and my weakness of flesh, you can remove all that and get your message across. I pray for Jay as, as he gets a chance to minister to the word to those teens. I pray that they have uh, hearts that are open to hear it, and they follow in obedience. I also pray for Brennan, Michael, and Caleb. I pray that their strength strengthened as, as they're gelling together as a family and give them strength, give her strength, give him strength, and, and I know um, be just in, their, in the midst of their parenting. And God, I pray for this message. Uh, I pray that as, as we are a people that is blessed, uh, we could have ears to hear and eyes that would be opened by your word so we can see exactly where we stand and what we stand in need of. So, Father, do bless this. We do love you and praise you for Jesus and all these things we pray in his precious name. Amen. All right, so our first point of study, y'all with me? Y'all good? Anybody need coffee, donuts, refreshments? Uh, So first point of study today, we see this out of verses uh, 10 and 11. It's the promise of provision. Provision goes in your blank. If you got paper notes today, we're going to see that uh, two things about God's provisions in this passage. God's provisions are definite and sufficient. Couldn't figure out how to make all the words start with the same letter. So just bear with me. So first, let's look at God's provisions are definite. Uh, We get this out of the the first part of verse 10. And it shall be. It shall be. So in my my former role, I was actually a quality engineer. Couldn't tell by looking at me. Uh, I just fell into the role. It's not that I was super good at it. But I will say that it it taught me some things. And I use that experience. So if you're in quality, I know uh, we have one person in the room that's in quality. Everything comes down to a written standard. And in that written standard, you have to read, understand, and, and know exactly what it says. And then you have auditors that come in, and then they, they judge how well you know the standard. And well, what it did, what did this for me was it taught me the difference between different words meaning different things. Again, if you confuse on definitions, you get nonconformances. And if you're in quality, that's a stake through the heart for you, right? So that's like a, a curse word, and quality is nonconformance. But if you don't know the words, you don't know what to do. So today, we're going to learn the difference in, in some of these words, but we have to focus on the word shall. Because in a, in a quality standard, you, they'll use words like might, or, or may, or can, or able to. Or, but shall is a definite thing. Understand that. So let's look at the words and see how it's used in Scripture. As I studied it out, shall can be used one of two ways. It's a certainty or an invalid, in. In inevitability, why am I writing words I can't say? Well, it's certainty or an inevitability in future events, or it's a requirement or a mandate. So one of two ways. Let's, uh, let's kind of run this through an example, shall we? Let's look at the example of the Ten Commandments. Uh, shall is used as a mandate. Please see this. Starting in uh, Exodus 20, it says, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. And it continues, but that shall not It's a mandate with no no variation or or variability. God wasn't like, no, he was like, hey, no. It was a strict mandate, right? So I said the word shall can also bring with it a certainty of future events. Like in our text, it shall be. But there's another place that that this certainty of future events pops up. A good example is, is the same murders and adulterers and liars that we saw in Exodus 20. You know those people? They're casting into a lake of fire. Let's check it out in uh, Revelation 21, verse 8. But all the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. That's that's a lot. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So all those people shall. It's certain. God take it to the bank. Those people will go and have their part in the lake of fire. But there's also certainty of another So that's the certainty of the event. But there's also certainty in a provision of salvation. And I want you to see this out of Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see it? So there's a certainty in a future event. There's also certainty in a provision. So when God says shall, what he means, it's certain. Why is that? Well, God cannot lie because in Hebrews 6, 18, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Backs it up also in Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So when God is telling about the provisions for Israel, please understand that his provisions are definite. He says, when the Lord thy God shall have brought, it's not. It is not if the Lord thy God shall. No, it's when. It's a definite thing. So as we jump forward in the timeline, I want you to see Man, God's promising in Deuteronomy 6. But I want to see that that is actually fulfilled in, in Joshua. We see that God, what, what he said does come to pass. So in Joshua 24, 13, if I was going to build a bridge, it looks like this. Deuteronomy 6, he says, you're going into the land. That's, that's going to happen. Well, what happens in between there is, man, he opens up the Jordan River. They cross in by faith. Um, he gets ready. The people, they fight God fights for them. That's what you see. Man, they take a campaign to the south, to the north. They conquer the land. Then God says, hey, you need to dwell in the land. And it's at that point they are living in the fullness of God's promises. You get me? But in Joshua 24, 13, he does a great job for guys like me just to sum it up in a a really good way. Joshua 24, verse 13. And I have given you a land which ye did not labor, and cities which ye build not, and ye dwell in them. And of the vineyards and the olive yards which ye planted uh not do ye eat so god did exactly what he promised he promised everything he did it everything they needed was fulfilled because god fulfills his word down to every jot and every tittle so last week we saw the responsibility of a father is to teach to nurture his children this week let's see that a god is providing for his son his child israel we are commanded actually to do the same thing in the new testament Let's look at 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if any provide not for his own, especially of those of uh, his own house, he hath denied the fate is worth an, an, an infidel. Oops, excuse me. Don't ruin the picture. Again, God is providing for his son Israel. Fathers, husbands, provide for your household. The responsibility of provision was given for a man for his house. What I'm not saying Understand me, hear me, what I'm not saying is that women shouldn't work. That is not what I'm saying. My wife works. That's not what this passage is saying. What it's saying is that, that lazy and slothful men need to get rebuked. What needs to happen is men need to provide for the house. It's not that women should not work. I'm talking about the responsibility given to man to provide as a picture of how God provides for his children. I'm very clear on that. So don't ruin the picture that God is trying to paint with your life. Here's our key for application. You'll look uh, like our hands a little, little slow, so I'm going to give you some blessings or some, some blanks to fill in. Here we go. Just as God promised provision for his children, be the definite, consistent source of blessing and provision in our children's lives. So let's connect this back to our, our series, right? Children need to be able to depend on the provision of their parents. Just as God promised and provided, parents, we need to promise, then provide. If you promise things, make sure you can deliver. Do not create any uncertainty between your promises and, and what you deliver. God most certainly does not, neither should you. So God is faithful to his word, you be faithful to your word. As we see this in our children's lives, as we work to weave this into our children's lives, we need to be pointing out Christ and how, how intentional we need to be about hey, this is what God said, this is how God provided, and point it out over and over. Start seeing that, hey, this is what God said, this is what God provided. This is so this is going to develop one thing. If we, if we take the time with our children to develop this, what it's going to leave is a legacy of thankfulness. It'll leave a lasting legacy. The principle made practical at home sounds like this. Pray with your children. Because Ephesians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. God wants to care for you. He wants to provide for you. So bring it to him. Uh, Tell of what God promised and how he provided. This will lead our children to be thankful. So in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So the point is, God is faithful to provide. But be that in your children's life and, and teach them through that provision how to be thankful. So the next thing I want to kind of see out of this was the provision to be sufficient. God's provisions are sufficient, goes in your blank. And we see this out of the last part of verse 11. When thou shalt have eaten and be full. We tend to think that God will only give us the bare minimum, that we, he will only give us what we need to barely scrape by. But know this, God doesn't give like we give. It wasn't not just to be not hungry. It was to be full. Look at what God gave Israel to provide sufficiently for every one of their needs. Check it out. It's, it's right there in the passage. To give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. Those great and goodly cities, if, as you look at it, these were the the places of the, the Amalekites and all these different people, giants and crazy people. Well, those lands and all their provisions and all the stuff they did, they had... Big towers and high fences and gates and bars. Man, they had fenced cities that provided protection for the city. That's what God prepared for them. And houses full of good things which thou fillest not. Man, those houses were full of material possessions needed to maintain a house and maintain a family. And wells dig which thou diggest not. And vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. There is going to be plenty to drink and you didn't have to dig a well. I don't know if y'all ever dug a hole. I have need to go back to school. No, I'm just like, uh, again, soft hands, weak back, you know, whatever. So the point is, there's going to be, oh, I'm sorry, I got us all derailed. Uh, there's going to be wells dug, dug. Y'all stop it over there, killing me. So there's going to be wells dug that they didn't have to dig. There's going to be a source of water that was already there for them, and planting preparation. Um, planting's hard enough, but do understand that even if you went to barren fields and you had to plant, There is an immediate return, right? So God's provision was not the fact that they would get in the land and be thirsty and hungry and wait for crops to grow. It was the fact that, hey, there's fruit on the trees. All you have to do is go need it. So um, this is exactly what God promised to provide to Israel. Everything they need exactly when they needed it. It's not just a house. It's not just water. It's not just food. But it was all of it. Protection, shelter, material possessions, all the water, all the food. God was intentional. To provide everything precisely as they needed it this is how god worked for israel and how he works in our lives today just like israel can we agree that we've been given so much we have houses we have material things we have a lot of material things like storage building full of material things thriving market in huntsville storage units we have material things we have food we have water um, we have restaurants opening all the time Uh, living in huntsville it would be hard to appreciate as compared to other regions of the world who don't afford the same luxuries as we do we look to fulfill our desires and wants but not really suffer our needs to be filled right so a quick point as we kind of been talking about physical things um again we're using the example of physical things but but do understand that god's blessings are not only physical they're not only spiritual but they're both really quick we're not going to unpack this whole thing today about spiritual blessings but but do understand in ephesians uh one verse three it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings there it is in heavenly places in in christ so do realize that that it's not just physical blessings that we get it's not just spiritual but it's both um we tend to compartmentalize and, and say that god's only a spiritual god who's only going to provide spiritual things it's more than that. And it's not just physical things. Man, God has spiritual with all spiritual blessings. So let's look at, um, kind of grab an example out of Second of Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. I'll read the verses, and then we'll kind of talk about them. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that, it, that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby given unto us, Exceeding great, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The verse says, Hath given unto us. That's God's provision to us. And we see the sufficiency in the part that comes just right after, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Man, that sums it up, doesn't it? Isn't that the whole package? All things that pertain to life and godliness? And the verse goes on and says, Exceeding great and precious promises. God has promised and provided so much for us. And sometimes I think it's hard for us to see his promises and provisions. And I know for me, if you're anything like me, there's sometimes I'll get this weird thought that creeps in. And then I'll start to believe that somehow it's by my power and by my might that I have provided myself for these things. Ever happened to you? That, that you look around at your protection and your house and your things and your food and your water and you think, I did all that. Well, man, check it out in Deuteronomy 8, verse 17, starting verse 17. And if thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For, he, uh, for it is he that giveth power to get wealth. So the point is, out of this verse, and I kind of stopped reading, but we got what we needed. Man, do understand that even if you look around and, and you would say, well, man, I go to work and I get my money, it is God. Do... Do you recognize that it's God? So what would you say if it all went away? Was it your power that it all went away? Was that it? If your power is so great that you can get it, how about your power to keep it? And I know there's very few people I've ever heard say that it was their power that lost it all. It was always their power to get it. But interestingly enough, they'll deny the losing it. So just realize today, I know it's kind of sobering, but... But do realize that, that you don't have the power that you think you do and that, that God holds the power to give you wealth. Man, he gives you your very next breath. He's the maker, sustainer of all things. Um, and just be thankful. Again, be thankful the, for the promises in his word. I love, Cody shared this a couple of weeks ago, I think. It says, who daily loadeth us with benefits. That's our God. In Psalm 68, 19, it says, daily loadeth us with benefits. That's incredible. I'm a father of two girls, and I want for them everything that they need, man but our father heavenly father wants the same thing for us so as a personal kind of exegesis experiential, experiential exegesis i think is what shelby says um, when my focus shifts to being thankful for what he's provided it helps me to stop thinking on what i want so my wife says it like this and my wife's really smart so i'll quote her too she says i think we expect too much out of our pur- uh, purchases we often think that What we get and the things that we get will will somehow fulfill our need that will make us content. So we just get in this rat race of buying more things and buying more things, hoping that the next thing we buy is going to lead us to contentment. But I would say, man, how about if we found our contentment in Christ and his provisions? Just be good with what God gave you. Anything outside of that, there's a word for it. It's called covetousness. So let's look for our key for application. The Lord has made perfect provision for us And our children. Realize that today. That the Lord has made perfect provision for us and our children. God has made provision for your children. And I said this two weeks ago. But uh, I'll say it again. I think it warrants it. You know what the provision for your children are? They're parents. So be that in your child's life. It's parents and grandparents. So once you understand how the Lord works in your life, be that in your children's life. So last week, we saw the responsibility of teaching our children. This week, we're going to add providing for our children. We focused on the physical example of, of Israel but in the promised land, but I would have missed if I didn't say this. And again, we're winding this point down, so, so hear me on this one. God provides everything for us, right? And it's not just good enough to put a roof over our kid's head and food to eat. We are body, soul, and spirit. So to v- provide like God does for us, we need to provide body, soul, and spirit to our children. Don't think just because there's roof and there's food that your provision for your children are d- is done. And understand that you're to minister to all three parts of their body. So y'all a little quiet. So let's talk about leaving a legacy of contentment. I don't mind if y'all talk back to me. You can amen or owe me anytime you want. You ain't going to mess me up. I'll just know that you're awake. That's all. Uh, let's talk about leaving a legacy of contentment. It's, the key is the key to teach our kids not to covet. And that's that word of wanting outside of what God has given you. Teach contentment. If you can teach it, oh, I'm sorry, if you can learn it, you can teach it. So let's, let's check this out in, in Philippians 4, starting verse 11. I love what Paul writes here. Man, this is discipleship verse that, that really rocked my world, right? Not that I, respe- uh, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. There's our key words, right? Uh, I know both how to be a base and how to be abound. And how to abound, I'm sorry. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed to both be, to be full and to be hungry. I am both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. There's a couple things out of the verse that I, I want to quickly point out. First of all, we can learn to be content. Man, that's a learned trait. Are we learning it? The other one is um, is that it, it says that I can do all things. Man, and people quote this verse, and I'm not trying to correct anybody's theology on it. But it says you can do all things. Well, what is those all things? Well, let's just keep looking at the, at the verse in the context. Those all things actually show up in verse 12. Do you see it? In everywhere, in all things, I'm instructed to both to be full and to be hungry. The all things there is learning to be content. Through Christ, which strengthens me importance of words here, which does not mean who and who does not mean which which strengthens me is this it means when I go and learn to be content, how to be hungry, how to be full Christ, through Christ, which strengthens me which strengthens me ties back to all things it's how you get strengthened so when you're hungry when you're full, Christ is with you and strengthening you. The point is that it's his strength that you're leaning on yes, but it's also that experience that we can pass on I, I don't have it in here, but first our second Corinthians one man God gives us mercy and grace and comfort so we can comfort others. you learn how to go through things so you can lead other people through things. does that make sense so your contentment needs to get passed on through your kids and on to your spiritual children as well all right so that's verse one y'all still with me yes. all good all right don't get better I like the talking back uh, but we're all right on time so how about, let's talk about the potential of forgetting the provider. We see this out of verse 12. Verse 12 reads like this, and beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody said, uh, I've never heard it said, I guess, that someone's going, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do is uh, I'm a little bit of a bind right now, but as soon as I get everything I need from the Lord, my plan is to completely turn back from them, right? right? That, no one would ever say that out loud. And if they did, uh, I'm sure it's just like I did probably to make an, a statement, right? Yet it happens all the time. The difficulty is even from Sunday to Sunday. We might live and, and hear something on Sunday, but by Monday it seems like we forgot uh, the things that we heard just as soon, uh, a day sooner. And each cycle... And each week the cycle repeats, so it's this hearing, forgetting kind of thing. But I would say that uh, the verse actually says, let's not forget the Lord. It's not just the words, it's not just any, but it's forgetting the Lord. The warning is that in times of blessing, you'll forget who blessed you. Have you ever noticed a, a little kid at like Christmas or on their birthday getting gifts? You'll see this? It's adorable to watch. It's awesome to film, but it's, when you capture this moment, it's priceless. They're tearing open a gift. You know what I'm talking about, right? They're, they're not like super good at it yet like I am, but they're still like trying to figure out everything. They're, and they get to it and they're like, yes, elated at what they get. And then the parent, what does the parent say? Say thank you. And they're like, to who? Like uh, immediately they love the gift and they forgot who. They're like, who? who? What is that guy's name? Mr. Cody. Oh, whatever, Right. So that's exactly how little children act. This might be because of maturity, but again, it's a really good picture of esteeming the gift more than the giver. For us, as we look back to the cross, do you understand that when you look back to the cross, you're looking back to a person? It's so many times that, that maybe we forget there's a lot of crosses. There's, a, there's three crosses that day. So if you're looking back to the cross, maybe, which one are you looking back to? Because, man, if, if you don't look to the cross for, with the right person on it, you know, that person that, that poured out his blood for the forgiveness of sins? Man, you're looking back in vain. Don't magnify the work over the person who did it. The mindset may get you to, to focus more on the provision more than the provider. Your glory in the provision of salvation over the Savior who made it possible. And eventually, I'll tell you this, eventually you forget the person. So uh, Leslie and I were talking on my way here, and she was like, she's like, yeah, I hear kids all the time, oh, I forgot, oh, I forgot, and you got to wonder, like, if you knew you forgot, is it still forgetting? I'll leave that one with you, write it down, just think about it. If you knew you forgot, is it just forsaking at that point? Like, yeah, I, I knew that, I'm not going to do it. Don't say you forgot then, right? So, um, and, and I, what I think there, so this got me to thinking, and, and if you know how my mind works, it goes a thousand different directions at a thousand miles an hour, but I think I think what we see is there's a process of forgetting And that's what I kind of want to show you today. How does this happen? Obviously, you know, kid shows up. Hey, I forgot my homework. Well, how did that happen? So, so I think what happens is, and we're going to use this example, this kind of this timeline. You have salvation, and then you have the provisions of salvation that come with blessing. And then it turns into forsaking. And then after forsaking, it comes a forgetting. So I, I submit to you today, quite possibly. That forgetting is actually the end. It's not the, the cause or the beginning. So if you would, find Deuteronomy 32 with me. Um, if you're in Deuteronomy 6, just keep uh, going right. and When the numbers get bigger, stop at 32. Oh, well. Fine, I'll go there with you. Okay. Um, before we, we get all the way there, I would say that this is a song, and it's, it's still in Deuteronomy, so they're not in the land, kind of like I explained, right? So it's, it's prophetic in nature, but, but we're going we're gonna to see some... Um, some pretty powerful stuff out of it. It is, again, it's prophetic. It's a song. If I was going to give you a, a recap, if you kind of start at verse 1 and make it all, we're going to start at verse 15, but let me try to catch you up. The, first, the verses above it are going to talk about um, God finding Israel in a desert and then get him out of the desert, Egypt, right? And delivering him out of Egypt and then blessing him just like he promised, right? So the picture all the way through the first... 14 verses is what God is doing. So that kind of paints the picture for us. And we know it's Israel, right? So if we started uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 15, if you're there, it says, But Jeshuan, Jeshuan, that's Joshua. When you look at the context, that's exactly who he's talking about, is Joshua or Israel. But Jeshuan waxed fat and kicked. Thou art uh, waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. And then, And then he forsook God, which made him in lightly esteem the rock of his salvation. Understand that that wax fat, that fatness is is being in that that place of blessing and goodness, right? It's then, it says, he forsook God. Times of persecution don't tend to make people leave the Lord, but times of prosperity do. I stole that from someone. Uh, If I knew who it was, I would tell you. But again, it's not persecution that will typically drive us away from the Lord. It's times of uh, prosperity. So in their blessing, they forsook God. That's what happened. And then they, and man, catch this last part. It says they lightly esteem the rock of their salvation. They end up minimizing the person. And then Deuteronomy 16 and 17, it says they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods uh, whom they knew not. New gods that came newly up, whom the, who your fathers feared not. So that forsaken leads to falling into sin. And we're going to paint a little more of this picture later, but understand that when you forsake, the next thing that comes for you is that, that falling into sin. Their heart was eventually turned away from God and into the other gods. And you see it all over that passage, right? They start sacrificing the devils. Verse 18 this is kind of where we're, we're going to land. And of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful thou has forgotten god that formed you man so what we see was that that after the forsaking after the fall away then comes the forgetting started following other things and chasing other gods but eventually they landed in the same place of bondage that they're actually set free from they forgot so again i, I want to take this pattern and, and this again i said was prophetic right so let's let's see what happened to israel so what we saw was in deuteronomy when we looked at what in joshua god did exactly what was promised but i think judges 2 is it's going to paint a little different picture because the warning here is that you don't forget so let's go to judges 2 starting verse 10. um understanding that the book of judges what, as you're turning there i guess the book of judges is right after joshua Joshua is when they're in their land, living off the fatness of the land, they're living in the blessing and provision that God has provided them. But after Joshua, there's Judges. So let's, let's read the story in judges, uh, in judges 2, verse 10. And also all that, that all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the, go- the gods of their people which were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And we see the same cycle, right? We see that forget- for forgetfulness leads to unfaithfulness. And this whole cycle of... of, of being blessed, salvation into prosperity, into the silence, into falling into sin and forsaking and forgetting, that repeats seven times in the book of Judges. So it's literally a treadmill of sin that that happens. And this vicious cycle of sin looks like this. Salvation, silence, sin, slavery and bondage, crying out for supplication. Rinse and repeat all the time so we saw this in Deuteronomy 13. we just saw it in practice in Israel's history that's what we saw there another good example that I wanted to quickly run us through is uh King Uzziah and I'll move kind of fast through here it's more in your notes for study um but understand that that at the end of it uh second Chronicles 26 it says that he was strong his heart was lifted up until his destruction so what happened was Uzziah was a king at 16. well that's a little young I agree um He was ruling a nation at 16 and he did which was right in the sight of the lord and it says as long as he sought the lord god he made him to prosper so as long as he was in step with god he was prospering then god gave victory in battles over the philistines and arabians verse 7 and then at at about verse 8 you see this turn and the ammonites gave gifts to uzziah and his name spread abroad even through the entering of egypt and he strengthened himself exceedingly he strengthened himself exceedingly. So what happened was he started in his own power and might building himself up and, and forsaking, forgetting the Lord. And eventually, like I read, verse 16 happens. He was strong and his heart was lifted away from the Lord. And he ended up forgetting the Lord. So this changed his heart. It changed his attitude. He became prideful and not humble. And it changed his actions. He left the obedience and worship and became self-will worship. It, doesn't, it didn't matter to him what God said. He was going to do it what he wanted to do his way. So how, So we got to that point. We've seen a couple examples. How do we not let what happened to Israel and King Uzziah happen to us? And, and I will say just as like a, a, a kind of chunk in between, it's difficult. For that, for that process not to happen to us, it is difficult because we've got to understand this. We've got to understand, especially in our culture, in our context of Christianity, where we sit in the spectrum. We are rich compared to the rest of the world. We are definitely rich. We are blessed materially. We would say that all our needs are covered. Man, this is exactly the condition of the Laodicean church. And if you've been with us, we're taking a short hiatus or long hiatus—I don't know, whatever hiatus that we Jay wants—out of the Book of Revelation, going verse by verse. We ended with this church, man. Verse uh, Revelation's three seventeen, and I just want us to to maybe. Have ears to hear, and I would hate for us to be so involved in the culture that we couldn't let God's word have its effect. But thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Man, the concern is that, that they were in a condition that they would say, but God has something else to say about them. So, is that our condition today? Would God say what we say? Or are we maybe somewhere we shouldn't be? So let's use the word of God as that perfect law of liberty to see where our heart's at today and see if what we've been following is not the Lord. So um, I said that the key to avoiding potentially forgetting the provider is our connection of communication. So, again, in in Revelations 3, what we saw was a, a difference in communication, what the Lord said and what the church would say about themselves. So you can tell what you've forgotten by what you're following. That's kind of our practical thing we're going to look at. What are you following? Are you following your heart? Are you following your feelings? Are you following your career? What you need to be following is Christ. You need to be following Christ with a heart filled with his word. So the key to, con- to be connected in communication is through his word. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. For the sake of time, I'll probably just kind of hit the high points. But if you look at, at verses uh, 8 through 11, it says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in keeping his commandments. Those were his words. So we can, we can forget by not being connected in communication through his, his word. And, and verse 14 says, Then thine heart be lifted up. So once you, forsake, once you forget him and you forsake his word, you'll get to forgetting the Lord. This has an effect on our heart. Those words need to be in our heart. That's why when I was looking at that, that, that word forget or forgetting or forget, all those fun ones, the chapter it shows up most in is Psalms 119. Psalm 119, it's used 11 plus times. And it's interesting because <laughs> the psalmist David says, I will not forget that word. I will never forget that precepts. I will not forget that word. And over and over again in the psalm that's talking about the word of God, he's saying not to forget. Well, I wonder why that is. I wonder if if we just have a propensity to forget what God says. Psalm 119, verse 11. I hope you all know this one. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If we aren't faithful to commune with God at his word, two things are going to happen. You're going to deceive yourself and forget who you are. We see this out of James um, chapter 1, 22-25. 20 through, through um, you can see in 22 it says that, if you're a hearer of the word and not, a, and if you're hearing and not doing, you're going to be deceiving yourself. And at the end of the verse, it talks about forgetting what manner of man he was. So if we depart ourselves from, from using what it says in this verse is that perfect law of liberty. If you forget that, you're going to forget yourself and who you were, and you're going to start deceiving yourself. It's like in Revelations three, when we talked about you're rich and increased with good and in need of nothing. That's what you'll say, because you'll be deceiving yourself. So let's use the perfect law of liberty, anoint our eyes with eyes have, so we can see ourselves clearly and not be deceived. The other thing that you're going to lose is our connection with God through his word. It's going to be that you become blind, and you're going to end up forgetting your old sins. And we see this out of Second Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. For of these things, and in that context, it's spiritual growth. Uh, be in you and abound and, and make it that you that you should never be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ verse nine but he that lacketh these things is blind cannot see afar and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins we lose our connection to the word of god you're going to disconnect from the vine and not grow a vine needs to be connected um, a branch need to be connected to the vine so in this, in this context, it talks about your need for spiritual growth. And I'll tell you, once you d- disconnect from the vine, you're going to forget whose you are. You're going to forget that you are purged from your old sins, and you're going to enter it back into that house of bondage we've been talking about. Revelation 3.17 it's going to look like this. Thou knowest not. That's what's going to happen. Thou knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. Without the word of God and the growth by the word of God, we're going to lose our connection. The last thing here um, is going to be our connection in prayer. I like this one because again, as we look at that communication circle, man, we need to see God in His Word, but also we need to talk to God through our prayer. Um, so, so the the kind of premise we've been working off is you can tell what you've forgotten by what you're following. Our prayer shows our dependence on the provision of Christ and His leading. A uh, good ter- a good determination if you've forgotten the Lord is if you're following the Lord. Um, we have this promise out of Proverbs, uh, chapter 3. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. There's a really good example. We, uh, we Wednesday nights, make it a point to come, we got some awesome teaching from the life of David. Uh, a, a good example is actually in the life of David, uh, the man after God's own heart. I counted at least nine times where David said he inquired of the Lord. It said that uh, he didn't want to he didn't want to make sure that, that he was going somewhere the Lord wouldn't have him go. So he stayed in step by inquiring of the Lord. We do that through prayer. I will say that as we're, we're saying that you can tell what you're forgetting by what you're following. The other part of that is he actually inquired after a woman, Bathsheba. So what you follow will tell you what you're forgetting. If you're following after a woman, you probably forgot the Lord. Um, let's make application to us. One of our keys of forgetting is going to be forgetting. I think, yeah, I said that right. So, what we have to do is forget to forget. It oh, still sounds weird. Okay. Um, in Philippians 3, let me, let me show you through scripture. Philippians 3 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things. So, what you have to do is forget those things. The point is that you have to forget those things and reach forward towards a person. It says that, that you're supposed to be pressing forward towards the uh, mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus so we need to forget the things behind us forsake those things and start reaching towards a person our key for application forget the things and focus on the person of Christ through his word and prayer um, we can't have everything we can't remember everything we can't focus on everything so what we have is what you choose to have like in Joshua 24 15 you're gonna have to choose ye this day who you'll serve because in in luke 16 verse 13 you can't serve two masters you can't serve god and money we can't focus on everything you know why because colossians 3 2 says that you have to set your affection just one affection on things above and not things on the earth so you get one affection you get two places to put it right um let's uh, i know we're kind of short on time so let me skip through my notes here let's leave a legacy of faithfulness and faithfulness when you're connected to god He's faithful to you. You can be faithful through his word and prayer. I like 1 Corinthians verse, or chapter 8, verse 3. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. It's known of him because he is following and not forgetting. Would this be true of us today? It's known of him because it's manifested through time and prayer and a desire for God to teach us through his word. It's known of him because of the desire to hear of God through his word and hide those same words in his heart. Our desire should be to leave a legacy of faithfulness. Well, I hope so. Man, I I hope a faithful God that we could return a legacy of faithfulness to our children. So in closing, I'll leave us with verse 13. Um, "Thou uh, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, swear by his name. It says to fear the Lord thy God. Man, that's in our heart. Our heart should be filled with God's word. We need to serve him with our hands. We need to be committed to labor as a faithful servant and swear by his name. That's our mouth, praising his name and his work for what he's done for us. And the reason I think chapter, verse 13 comes right on the heels of this passage is actually, man, if you look at your heart, hands, and your mouth, if you keep those things filled with what God would have you to fill them with, you're going to not forget, you're not going to forsake. So I think that's the key in times of prosperity is to keep your heart filled with the word of God, your hands busy, and your mouth praising his name. So in conclusion, so we don't forget the provider in times of prospering, fear the Lord in your heart, serve the Lord with your hands, and praise the Lord with your mouth. So at this time, I will say that, uh, let's just close in in a prayer of invitation, and I'll just ask you to consider some of the things we heard today. I know we're short on time, but I would hate not to give opportunity first to respond to what we heard. What we need to respond to is the word of God. And I know God has something for each of us in this passage, right? So if you would, just bow your heads and and kind of maintain a spirit of prayer. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. Are we thankful for what the Lord has done according to his promises? Are we being that in our children's life, both physical and spiritual? Are we being thankful and teaching thankfulness? Are we content with the sufficiency of Christ? Are we wanting outside of what Christ has given us? Are we teaching contentment? Are we teaching covetousness to our children? Do we believe that it's by our power that we get our possessions and wealth? Or do we acknowledge today that it's it's the Lord's power? What are you following? Have you forgotten the Lord? I know you come to church, but has church become a place where you just want to make connections or an obligation once a week or, or a couple times a month is church a place where you hear the word of the Lord and it cares with you you don't forget but you carry it with you, you don't forsake but you carry it with you are we like the little child that cherishes the gift over the giver is there a connection between the Lord and his word in prayer today so as we close, again, you can't forget the Lord unless you have known the Lord. So if you would kind of bow your head and close your eyes, I would ask you this in closing. Do you know him? Is the reason you can't forget the Lord is because you don't know the Lord? Man, we, we were talking at the beginning about the Ten Commandments and, and what we can't do. Man, if you violated those, it's said for certainty that you're going to go to a place that's the fire and brimstone, it's it's the second death. Do you know for certain today that that you're you're not gonna be a part of those liars and adulterers and murderers and and all those people? And if that's not you today, what I ask you to consider why not? That provision was made through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel very clearly is his death, his burial and resurrection. And it's your trust and belief putting your trust and belief in his finished works for the forgiveness of your sin, when you recognize that, man, I have sinned, I'm, I'm, I have a debt that I cannot pay, I'm guilty, there's sin in my life, how are you going What what source of forgiveness are you hoping for? Are you hoping on your works and, and your church attendance? I hope not, because that provision, that forgiveness is in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you know him You'll know a date when you know him. There, if you meet someone, there's a date you meet them. So if you can't look back and find a date or a season or a time that you've called on the Lord after realizing you're a sinner and asking him to save you, it could be that that it's not there. And if that's not, if that is, if that's the case, I would pray, make today the day. Man, I, I would love the opportunity to take my Bible and show you what God's Word says over of the provision of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. So if, if that's you today, if, if you realize for the first time your sin before a holy and righteous God and realized, I have no hope, I have no hope, I, and, and you know that you're guilty of sin. And if you want more information about that, anything, find me afterwards. But if that's you today, would you slip your hand up, everybody's heads, and eyes are closed. If that's you, can I just pray for you? And for everybody else that knows the Lord, are we following the Lord? Or are we forgetting? Has, has today kind of stirred in our hearts that, that we need to be about the Lord, not forsaking the Lord? And if that's you today, I would pray that you would re- repent, that, that your eyes have been opened, but that doesn't have to be your case. So if that's you today, would you give me the opportunity to pray for you? If you want to, you can slide your hand up. All right go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do love you. We do thank you for everything you've done.